Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to this, the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. It's Chris from Lace Partners. Uh, thank you very much for joining me once again for our latest podcast. And I cannot get rid of her. She is on every single podcast these days, and I absolutely love it. It's our Executive Director for HR Transformation, Emma Leonis. How are you? Hey, Chris. No, I'm good, thank you. <laughs> I you, you can't get rid of me. me. No, you called me a... Uh, you called me a crime partner or something last time and so I thought I'm gonna get revenge this time I'm gonna get absolute revenge by saying I can't get rid of you but it's lovely to have you on and we are going to do some interrogating of our own aren't we we are we We are are. true crime partner style yes true crime (laughs) partner style indeed so we've got um Penny Lang who's joined us from uh Cornwall Care so Penny hello you all right hi how are you Not too shabby, not too shabby. I'm going to let the listeners into a little secret. It's Penny's fault that I had to spend £40 last week because she has a wireless headset, which I thought, oh, I want a wireless headset to be able to walk around. So uh, I say thank you, Penny. My wife says, why do you keep spending money on Amazon? It was a wise investment, Chris. Well done. You look amazing. A wise investment indeed. So what we're going to talk about today is we're just going to get a little bit of your background, have a chat with you about a variety of different things. Um, Obviously, you've implemented Ceridian, who are a partner of ours, so we can talk about that for a little bit. But we want to talk about change, particularly in a frontline environment and, you know, running projects through through the COVID period that we've had. And as we start to exit it, obviously, there's lots of learnings that people can take from it and life will never be the same. So this is going to go in many different directions because having already had the three of us having a quick chat about what we should talk about, we like to send this in different directions. But um, just wanted to get a bit before we, we go uh, we, we go off and start to talk about that kind of you know challenges. You know, I love the idea of us talking about culture of fear as well. Can you just give us a bit of a background on yourself and the business that you work for? Yeah, so um, I'm currently the Chief of Operations for Strategy at Valued Lives, uh, who are a mental health and suicide prevention charity. And I joined them uh, late last year to help uh, execute the strategy and change that they need to reach more people at an earlier stage in the crisis of mental health and things like that. It's obviously, Penny, you know, kind of been a really, really busy period and a really challenging period and probably a very stressful one as well. And I'm just sort of thinking maybe over the past three months in your new role, sort of thinking about the end of last year and then then last year as a whole, what are kind of your your biggest takeaways from that journey that you've perhaps been on across both organisations, so Cornwall Care and then where you are now? I think my biggest takeaway is probably don't be frightened of people. They're better than you think. I think over the the last 12 to 6 months we've learned to fear other people and the consequences of being with other people and actually what I found is those people can be your salvation they can make you smile and they can adapt to things you didn't think they would ever be capable of so yeah definitely <clears throat> we've been made to to think that other people are scary but actually they're pretty awesome would be my biggest takeaway yeah. And um, can I just ask a quick question? So you're obviously relatively new into this uh, role that, that you're in. Is there anything 
different? So I want to I want to look at is there anything different that you've learned from the business that you're in at the moment from your previous kind of challenges? What's been a real sort of eye opener for you? Has there been any eye openers for you since you've moved into this this role? Oh, most definitely. I mean, there's been lots, um, and I could talk about lots of them, but I I think the biggest is diversity in personality when so I do quite a lot of change and process management and you get into that and you get into what's the right way what's the the thing that I I should be doing to affect the best outcomes and actually I've come to learn the right way is to flex and that there are so many differences out there and you could take one word the and, and the views that you'll get from 50 different people will just be mind-boggling. Um, and I've I've learned to accept and embrace that and use it. Whereas probably prior to coming here, I was very like, that's the process and that's what we need to do. The biggest change for me over the last uh, few weeks is spending my time going, hello, can you hear me? Oh, it's that damn Wi-Fi again, isn't it? So yeah. And now all of the uh, kids have gone back back to school. They're not they're not gaming during the day, so it's fine. But anyway, uh, going back to uh, the sort of conversations that we had. So, what's been? I want to look. I want to reflect on the last sort of twelve months for you, and just talk to me a little bit about during this sort of COVID period that we've got. Because at the time of us recording, we're coming up to one year since we've gone into lockdown. So I just want to ask you about. What's inspired you during this last sort of 12 months in terms of the people of the businesses that you've been working within? And what's really been something that you just thought, wow, this is a, a real learning point for either previous business or the, the current business as well? Um, so I think our biggest, or for me, the biggest thing that I've found is that fear controls so much. It controls how we adapt to change and work process it controls our reaction. Um, sorry if you can hear the dog in the background. That's also, you hear quite a lot. And actually, if you work through fear with people, we are capable of so much. I think in, in the run-up to COVID, everything was risk assessed, risk managed, and could we do this? Could we do that? So if for example, one of the one of the things that we talked quite a lot about when I went into the project with Ceridian is could we truly manage payroll and things like that, HR facilities remotely via an app? What would be the downfalls? Where is it going to trip up? And then suddenly we went from, were we going to trip up? Where, was it going to be okay to actually we have to do this? And actually it's pretty good. So we we're almost forced to overcome our, our, our natural instinct to risk assess and act from a fear-based decision as opposed to a possibilities decision and maybe in in that penny i wonder if there's something around you know in, in instances where you've just got to get on and move on by its nature in some ways it takes that fear element out because you can't be afraid of the fact you just have to do something yeah, yeah and i think i think that's been it's been surprising actually it's been really surprising how robust we are i think that robustness is starting to fade a little bit i think we're all a bit sick of it but how robust people are and that change our ability to accept change is perhaps better than we thought it was. Yeah. So I feel, I feel like it's one of those things. You know, when you put your, your toe into, into the pool and you go, oh, it's cold. And actually, you're just better off to jump in and get over with. And I think that's what COVID has almost 
forced us to do I mean there's very negative connotations with it as well but definitely the positives are we've just had to get on and move and embrace that change so that's definitely what I've seen going on and how have you kind of just sort of thinking managed to balance some of that need to to get on and and manage change in an environment where individuals particularly frontline individuals just that's not going to be their number one priority managing you know what the business needs them to do from an operational standpoint of implementing you know something like Ceridian for example yes it would enable them in the longer term but clearly their main priority is I need to be there supporting my people um, and, and doing, you know, what I need to do. So how did you sort of get that buy-in, I guess, and manage that change for them, if that makes sense? I think what you've got to do with that sort of thing is you've got you've got to stop and almost remove your own mindset from it. So for me, I'm, I will think, oh, I'm tired, I'm stressed, I've had a really long day, I've had 12 hours and I've been staring at a PC. And people on frontline are dealing with so, so much, they're not, they're not any greater or lesser problems, but they're different. And they're what I often say, they're, they're more realistic. They're more there and in their face. So you really have to talk to them before you start, before you even go out there. What drives you mad? You know, we don't start a project without assessing where we're at. You know, where are we at? What is the impact? What is it that we're actually trying to achieve? Because you, you can find in some businesses that they're competing agendas. What we need to achieve what we have to achieve and what we should be achieving they're not always necessarily the the same things so you have to stop take a look at that and say okay well where do, where do those points lattice so that's really what we did and then we said okay well this is what we need to achieve this is what you need so how do we make that work so you don't make decisions for people you ask them to be part of the decision making process and therefore owning that change along with you mm. and not just giving them something and saying have that have that change yeah and i guess also engaging them throughout that entire journey not just in the upfront piece but throughout yeah. the of the but what you tend to find or historically I've certainly seen in projects is the projects will go they'll be bound with IT or HR or sometimes if you're lucky enough you have an entire change team and then halfway through they'll come and tell the people what they're doing Mm. but we didn't do that we understood that they had other pressures but also for us COVID presented a really good opportunity to take them away from you know sticking cotton buds up your nose and talking about could people die and aren't you sad about your family when okay let's let's lift your mindset let's talk about the change let's talk about your problems and let's talk about what they could look like in the future so we gave them an opportunity to be front focused and and not dwell in let's let's be honest what is not the particularly shinest of presents at the moment so so we tried to make use of all of the tools and opportunities that were there, but also we d- we weren't underhand about it. We told them that's what we were doing. Mm. You know, it, so change wasn't something happening to them; it was something happening with them, and that they were directly affecting. Yeah, yeah, and no, I, I think that's so powerful that transparency piece that you've mentioned. And I remember reading, um, you know, something around kind of the, the project as well about you saying you wanted this to be about individuals and about them. Yeah, and and it has to be because. If you understand their motivations and also key their demotivations and why they're frightened, we don't talk to people enough about why they're frightened. We we either go, oh, you'll be fine, it's okay, and 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 that that is not good. Why are you frightened? Um, so we had one person go, I hate, I hate IT, I hate this, I hate that. Turned out they couldn't read that well. Yeah, and they really wanted. So again, it's about using that opportunity and saying, okay, well, I'm not going to make this change something that you either have to step away from and not be part of, but 
actually, so why don't you work with us on a programme that is re-education around basic IT, reading and writing skills. Tell us how you'd like it to look. And this can be something that is part of your voice in this change. And when they started to, to realise that everybody has a part, it became quite good. We talked about the fear controlling so much. Was there any element of that that you had to mitigate perhaps as part of that change journey? Don't know. Were they fearful that actually implementing this? Oh, what's that going to mean for me in a negative way? I don't know. Yeah, everybody. And, and I think anybody who says they're not frightened of change has not been entirely honest. Even down to you think about basic human habits, you go out the door. Oh, is it going to rain? Because that is a change in your present circumstance. So you are continually as a human being having to reassess um, how you're going to move forward. So fear is healthy. Fear is what fear is designed to keep us and protect us and help us to survive. So to not have that fear, I'd be I'd be slightly nervous of somebody who wasn't <laughs> nervous of change. But it's about how you react to that fear, isn't it? And it's yeah. also about being understanding about people's reaction to that fear, because some people it will destroy. Um, and if you're if you're slightly psychotic like I am, you you know you get a buzz from it, and you're like, yeah, let's go, let's try it. But you have to embrace whatever that reaction is. Yeah. Do you think that fear of change from a digital perspective manifests itself? Fear of change and having to to move yourself across into more digital channels and more ways of working that are digital for people that are not used to that. Do you think that manifests itself worse than other types of change? Yeah, because, mm, yes, but no. Um, I think it's a thing to latch onto and say that I'm frightened of that. I think particularly if somebody is now, you know, moving from youngish into middle age, technology and, and digital change is that thing almost to measure aging by um mm. so I'm starting to get to that age in life where I'm like I just can't be bothered to learn that and I'm handing stuff to my my 21 year old daughter and saying show me how to do that because you get to the point where you're just lazy almost um I, I think the problem with digital digital change is there's so much about it to understand or it seems like it from the outside world and there's so much hyperbole around it around you know oh are the Russians watching you I've got 70 year old parents who absolutely refuse to have the internet because my mum is pretty sure the government are interested in our weekly shop at Waitrose <laughs> um you know so for her it's something terrifying because she grew up in in the age where you know it was Russia versus the world and you know the Irish were going to do horrible things so she's learned it's all about fear base for me you have a fear base that happens in the core part of your life that you learn from and that then tends to project onto other things and the key to it is is there a willingness to learn about that fear and how you're going to change it or is that fear just too much? And, and that's when you start to reach into more psychology and things like that. But digital change, it, it, let, let's take a phone, for example. How many models of phones are there out there? Some A, a mobile phone, 2,000, something 2,000 plus different mobiles. Yeah. And even if you just look at Android and Apple, look at how vastly different they are. And if you've got very little knowledge base on that, that's a, that's a, that's quite a big mountain to learn now actually if you're sitting the other side of it and you're like me you're quite technical you know how um exciting that is and how much it unleashes and you know digital transformation enables you to reach and touch things you would never have been able to do with a piece of paper and we need to show 
people who are frightened what is possible and demystify things you know if, if Facebook are really watching me all the time then good luck you know good luck they must be very bored but have those kind of conversations yeah. um, agree penny and apologies if there's a little bit of, of noise we have builders next door <laughs> i was just sort of reflecting on all of that kind of change piece that the fear piece that we've talked about and also what we were briefly brainstorming you know earlier before we started the podcast around you know hr and kind of trauma bonding also from a culture side you know over the past 12 months we've had instances where you've had furloughed and non-furloughed employees and the impact that might have on culture and just wonder what your thoughts were on some of that it's a mess <laughs> we have got a lot to sort out you know basically what I, I was at a mental health uh symposium the other day and um, um something that really struck me was that we we're asking people to be resilient and tough in the roughest of environments and an environment that isn't supporting them and isn't rewarding them you know, we're asking people, if I think about it, my family, we're asking them to go out and into retail where people are generally quite angry. People aren't really sure what they're angry at, but we're asking them to do a really great job and to work harder because there's less people on furlough. So for the people that are currently working, you're going to get a lot of trauma bonding, which isn't always a positive thing. They're going to look to each other and link to each other through the negative experiences they've had. And then you're almost going to get this separation as well. We're seeing actually in the, in the company, but one of the effects we're seeing is furlough fear, which is people going back to work from being furloughed. You know, it's quite nice being at home, not getting paid. Or you've got the other half of that who have just hated being at home. And you've then almost got this very non-discussed no non-spoken about furlough envy mm. where there are people like you or I you know I've probably done more hours during COVID than I have done the rest of my work life I would have loved a couple of months off even on reduced pay so we've got these two very separate I don't want to say teams but two separate groups of people have had very different experiences and we're going to say okay come back together and get on with it you know and I understand that Boris wants everything back and he's saying yes we're all going to go back into the office but there is so much to deal with there and unravel there so as employers and people of HR and you are going to ask people to make lots of microscopic changes in what is very simply a return to work it is going to be quite a difficult period if it's not handled correctly I think HR and teams in particular need to look inward and say okay well what are we going to do supporting those people coming back in even if it's just like you're not working from home I don't know about you but I've quite like working from home and going back into the office is quite alien mm. so we have to be prepared we have to be mindful of that statement that this is a rough environment and we have to offer them some smoothness in that so yeah so I've just got a quick question on that. It's actually for both of you guys. And I don't know that you'll know the answer because, you know, there's nothing like having a really difficult question that you don't know the answer. How do you manage? How do you manage that? That return to work process when every person is different. They've each got a different set of scenarios. And you're not just dealing with, you know, if you're a small business, like we're at Lace, we're a small business, 30 people. You know, we can manage it a lot closer than if you're a business of 10,000 people with multi offices, maybe you're across multi-countries how on earth do you even begin from a hr perspective to break that down into a strategy for the returning to work again i'm going to put that to both of you because i don't know that we have an answer there but. 
Who wants to have a stab at it? I don't mind sharing some some thoughts. I guess I'm not going to answer your question directly, Chris, in terms of what should the strategy be. I think for me, there's the question around how do you maintain transparency, right? Because you, you know you're not going to have all the answers. It's impossible to have all of the answers. Um, none of us really have ever had to manage anything like this before. So there isn't a rule book or examples that you can look at and say, I'm going to take a bit of this, take a bit of that, and, and I know that's going to work. It's going to be a learning experience for everyone, which is quite daunting. So for me, there's something around how, as an HR leadership team or a people leadership team, whatever your function might be called, working with the business leadership, make sure that we have that sense of transparency, that we maintain the right culture and that we actually ask people. So something back to, you know, Penny, your, your point around the fear, right? We're probably going to be afraid that we are going to not do this right. Well, there isn't the right answer. So acknowledge that up front, have the lots and lots of conversations and that ongoing dialogue to then make sure that A, we know what we think we should do. B, if it's not worked, we continuously improve that, um, which isn't answering your question directly as to what the strategy is. But I don't think you can define the strategy if you, first of all, don't ask those questions. What is yeah. it that we need to do? And keep checking that and making sure that it's right as you learn. For me, I think what Emma is saying is absolutely correct. Firstly, I would say stop talking to employees. Just don't talk to employees at all. Go and talk to people. Stop viewing them as I'm your HR, you're an employee, I'm your CEO, I'm your this. Talk to people, have a conversation. Has it been? What did you lose? What did you gain? And I think there's got to be a lot of reflection and I think you've got to allow a bit of time for reflection. You know, okay, you work a nine-hour shift, you know, have a 15-minute pause break. You know, it's not a break. It's not to go and get a cup of tea. It's just to, just to have 15 minutes to, to gather yourself. And I think we've got to look at the factors that are going to impact these people. What are those factors? And don't pre-prescribe for people. Don't pre-prescribe and say, oh, you're going to be affected by this, this and this. But say, we are aware these factors are some of them. And then ask people to contribute to that. It's, it's the same mentality as there is in change. Ask people to contribute to how we repair this at all levels. You know, if you've got, if and what you've also, I think, is is back to lead from the front. Um, certainly what I've done with my team in Value Lives is I've sat down and had a conversation, gone, okay, this is what is rough at the moment. Um, we have a check-in and I make sure I'm as honest as possible on that check-in to show them it's okay to have emotion, you know, it's okay to to react to things, but then also give some gentle direction in how to react to things. Because obviously you're always going to have the people that want to take advantage of that. So, you know, it, like with anything, it's got to be guided. But yeah, so for me, it's just be a human, look at the factors and give them the tools. Yeah, yeah. And I think sort of linking to that, you know, how organisations handle this transition is going to be a real make or break moment, isn't it? You know, those yeah. that do all the things that you've just said, Penny, will be setting themselves up for a greater chance of success than those that just go, well, we know, we're pretty sure we've got the answers. Well, yeah. we're not the answers. We're just going to do it this way. And actually, you're not listening. You're not necessarily being transparent. You're not being honest. And, and therefore, where's the integrity around some of that? Yeah. And, you know, 
what has changed dramatically in the last 12 months is people are talking about their mental health. Yeah. So you, yeah. so you need to embrace that. You need to understand what the demographics are in your business. If you're mainly a business that's got middle-aged men, then you need to get across that because they're most at risk. You know, if you're mainly somebody who hires people under 30 and they're female, they're going to be most affected by what we call superficial factors, look, appearance. So get across that, have non-makeup days that sort of thing but start to think about how you can support your team don't fix it before it's a big issue you know and um, i've got we're just coming towards the end of the podcast today but i've got one final question again i think it might be for both of you guys actually um, <laughs> but we'll start with uh, with penny as our guest do you think it'll be easier for hr and people services teams to manage the change now moving back towards this hybrid remote working world or do you think, it, sorry, do you think it will be easier managing that change now as opposed to what it was a year ago when all of a sudden everybody had to rush to get home and make sure that everyone's got laptops and the Wi-Fi is working and the people know how to use Teams and stuff like that? Which do you think will be easier or do you think that's already happened or do you think that's what we've got to come? I think that's a choice. I think that's a choice of, of yourself as, uh, again, as yourself as a, as a HR or, you know, resource management person how are you how are you going to react to that but I also think it's a company's choice it will be very very easy and we've seen that when we've done release lockdown everybody's just gone right we're back out we're all touching and you know we either go we either go back having learned something and move forwards or we just go backwards and so I think you you, you make that choice for me but I, I think I probably feel actually this might be harder this might be more of a challenge than before because there are options here so many different ways that this could manifest itself you know hybrid well my version of hybrid might be different to your version of hybrid penny and, and everyone's expectations different whereas before you know 12 months ago right lockdown unless you're, you've got to keep key workers and key services going so that's one option second option is everybody else is at home it was quite it's either or whereas right now it's actually a mixture of so many different things and everyone will want something slightly different. So for me, that's why I think it's probably actually a bigger challenge to adapt to that than it was to to what we had to do before. But to your point, Penny, we've got to learn from it. Yeah, definitely. But that's also Absolutely. a fabulous challenge. Surely a, a work environment that increases and, and promotes more individuality. That's an amazing thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Exciting, but also potentially scary times for some businesses. I guess, as you said, it depends on how you embrace it and uh, and, what, and the choices that you make. Penny, it's been absolutely amazing to have you on. Um, really, really great chatting to you for this half an hour. Thank you very much for coming on. And certainly we'll be grabbing you again at some stage to put Thank the world to rights, no doubt. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's been good. That's all right. And Ems, once again, always good to, uh, to chat along with you. Yeah, no, thanks, Chris. Thanks, Penny. Thank you Thank to you, uh, both of both of the uh, lovely ladies who have been on today's podcast. You can find today's podcast through iTunes. We are on Spotify, uh, SoundCloud. You've probably heard me say this a number of times by now if you're a regular listener to the podcast, but you know where to find us. It's wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, until next time, thank you very, very much for joining us, and we will see you again next time on the HR on the Offensive podcast. Goodbye. Goodbye.